How do you love God? That's the big question at the heart of our passage this morning. And it's a pretty big and important question, so we should probably try to pay some attention and not be too distracted by other things. And that's kind of how this conversation comes about. Hi, and welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. I'm Stuart, and it's my privilege to be the minister here. Today, Anne and Douglas Thompson join me in leading worship. As always, you can find out all about St Ninian's at st-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk where you can also catch up on all of our services as podcasts or videos. And you can still listen to the service every week by telephone on 01698 755533. Next Sunday, that's Sunday the 5th of September, we have a pretty special service at St Ninian's. Well, we'll say thank you to our session clerk, Margaret, and welcome our new session clerk, Fiona. We will also celebrate the Lord's Supper together and for the first time in a very, very long time there will be tea and coffee after the service. Our online service will also include communion next week so have some bread and wine or a suitable alternative available if you wish to join in and you are always welcome. So let's listen now as Douglas reads for us. Reading from Mark's Gospel, uh, Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 8. 14 to 15, and 21 to 23. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the traditions of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about your hypocrites, as it is written, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. They have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. How do you love God? That's the big question at the heart of our passage this morning. It's important. So let's try and pay attention. Let's not be too distracted. And that's kind of how the conversation comes about. We're back in Mark's Gospel after our brief visit to John. But we drop back in after the same event, the feeding of the 5,000. This miracle where, in Mark's account, Jesus saw the need of the people and had compassion for them. It was his compassion that motivated his actions. He fed the people because he cared so much. 
He was moved by their plight. They needed food, but more than that, they needed someone to care for them, to look after them and to protect them. Jesus ultimately wants to set them and us free from all the things that enslave them and hold them down. The questions and challenges to how Jesus sees that liberation playing out come from all kinds of places. His own disciples, the people he meets, and the religious leaders and teachers of the law all have questions for him. Why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? If ever there was a gospel encounter for our time, it's this one. Why don't you wash your hands? It's a good question that could lead us into all kinds of conversations about face coverings, lockdowns, vaccines and hand sanitising. And we'll come back to some of that shortly. But at the same time, we need to be very careful not to get caught up in talking about the presenting issue. Hand washing is just the example. The deeper question is about how Jesus feels about keeping the unwritten rules. But we all know that the unwritten rules are just as important, sometimes even more so, than the written down ones. You see, there are two types of law. There's the written down rules like the commandments and the stuff in books from the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures like Deuteronomy and Leviticus that form what's known as the Torah, God's law. They set out what the law is. It's there in black and white. But there's another kind of law, the unwritten kind. It's called halakha, the oral law. And this is where it's important to see who Jesus is talking to because the Pharisees, one of the religious groups, thought that both the Torah and the halakha went back to the time in the wilderness where the Hebrew slaves were given the law through Moses. Basically, what's happening here is a test for Jesus to see who he supports. Why don't you and your disciples support our interpretation of the law like everyone else does? What we don't often realise is that Jesus isn't that far away from agreeing with the Pharisees. They both have an idea of a world as the kingdom of God where everyone loves God and their neighbour. But there's a huge difference about what that looks like and it all comes down to purity. We joke about our dog Magnus. He's a collector of stuff. He gets bits of stuff stuck to him all the time. Seeds and grass, branches, leaves. He can't go outside without something getting stuck to him. He can be all groomed and as soon as he goes outside, he gets covered in stuff. It's not deliberate. He just gets it stuck to his coat as he wanders around. And that's kind of how the Pharisees thought about God. God is perfect, pure. And that means that God is untainted by the world. And for that to be true, God has to be separate from the world because if God wasn't separate, then the world would taint and defile God and God wouldn't be pure anymore. The world would get on God as he walked around. So how do you keep God from getting stuff on him? Well, it's easy. You lock him in the room and nobody's allowed to go in there unless they were the cleanest of clean. And that was the high priest who went in once a year after a series of cleansing rituals and had a rope tied around his ankle to pull him out in case anything happened. The Pharisees just couldn't imagine that God would be outside, out in the world. Because the world was a filthy place full of dirt and gore and evil and corruption. It was the opposite of how they saw God. Because of that, the purity laws set up a tension between loving God and loving your neighbour. We see it played out in the parable of the Good Samaritan. The beaten up man is is not that unusual. People got injured and died all the time. And normal people had to deal with that stuff all the time. But the religious officials, 
made that hard because you sometimes has to choose between serving God or loving your neighbour. The priest and the Levite in the story choose God. The Samaritan chooses their neighbour. It's this understanding of what God is concerned about that's at the heart of this challenge. It's about way more than washing your hands before you eat. But then we often get caught up in arguments about small things that represent something bigger, don't we? The Pharisees would agree with Jesus that you should love God and love your neighbour. But for them, God comes first. And sometimes that means that you can't help your neighbour because helping your neighbour would mean breaking the purity codes. The challenge Jesus makes to their understanding is to say that the traditions of the elders were supposed to help, not to get in the way of loving one another. Never mind all the stuff that Jesus was doing. He didn't do all the rituals before eating. And he wasn't the only one. It was pretty much impossible for the ordinary people to keep the purity laws all the time. You couldn't work in a field all day and stay clean. You couldn't fish and not get anything on you. So to make up for that, the tradition had evolved that you could make up by offerings and sacrifices. And the priests benefited from that. They have, in Jesus' opinion, set up an economy that exploits the people because, well, they can't keep their one interpretation of the law. The real world outcome of the purity code is that God and people are separated and God is prioritised. And that's a problem for Jesus because in him, God and humanity are united, inseparable. For Jesus, the way you love God is to love your neighbour. Just look at what we read about Jesus. He feeds the people out in the dirt of the wilderness. Jesus lets sick people touch him. And that should make him unclean, but instead what happens? People are healed. It can be so easy for us to get caught up in correct behaviours. When Jesus says, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. He's challenging a thousand years of practice and thinking. The implication is that you can eat what you like. And in a society with strict food laws, that's a massive thing. But we need to be careful. This is all in a context about what defiles, what makes someone unclean. Jesus isn't suggesting we abandon good food preparation practice or hand hygiene. He's saying that what's in our heart is what causes impurity. The challenge for us is always, how do we love our neighbour and love God? That might look like wearing a face covering, even if you don't want to, even if you don't think they do any good, because wearing one might make someone else feel safer. It might mean using hand sanitizer, even though you've only just washed your hands a few minutes ago, because it signals that you take your part in keeping each other safe and well seriously. What's in our heart? Am I thinking about me And only me and my inconvenience or my desires. All the stuff we consume. The bile and hatred on our front pages of some of our so-called newspapers. The idea that we can buy happiness. That looking a particular way will make you happy. That it's in any way justifiable to hate someone because they are in some way different from you. All that stuff warps and taints us. And we do it to each other all the time in loads of really subtle ways. We tell each other that we're not good enough. We criticise, we run down, we undermine and we ignore. And that takes a toll. Depression and anxiety are on the rise. Drug deaths have never been higher. Poverty persists. People's self-image is low. Loneliness is crushing. And shame is one of our most prevalent emotions. 
Washing your hands doesn't make you any better. But washing your hands of our part and all of that, that can only make things worse. Let us pray. Listening God, you have promised to pay attention to anyone who comes to you in need, asking only that we are open and honest when we tell our story and ask for your help. Before pouring out our worries, we take a moment or two to be grateful for the immense privilege of being heard. It does not happen very often, but when it does, it is a rare and wonderful blessing, a mysterious source of healing and strength. Thank you for those who have listened to us, really listened, with their eyes as well as their ears, understanding the silences between the words, not presuming to know what we needed, but staying with us for as long as it might take us to find our own way through. If we have received that gift, we recognise it as coming from you and ask that your church may become what it always should have been, a place where no one is afraid to speak their truth because they know that they will be heard with respect and a curiosity to understand. When we disagree, may we do so graciously. When we are hurt, may we not lash out in anger but seek the healing and forgiveness 
that are at the heart of who we claim to be. Loving God, if our prayers today are for ourselves, it is because other people look at us and quite rightly judge you and what they see. So may our lives be a witness to the truth of what we say we believe about you. And if we are in any doubt about that, may we keep quiet and get on with living out our faith in lives of quiet service and steadfast resistance to injustice and evil. We pray today for those who cry for justice and are not heard. May we be their ears and their voices. We pray for those who are angry and with good reason. May we work to change the systems that oppress them, even if we have to give up some of our privileges as a result. We pray for the widows and orphans of today, women and children bereaved by conflict, and men too, all who are on the margins and are therefore your special concern. May we show you our ways are different and hasten the coming of your kingdom by caring for them in your name. You are with us in our distancing, hear our prayers and blend our voices together. Unite us by your spirit as we join together in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in the language of our heart. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Go out into the world and listen. Listen to nature. Listen to other people. Listen to God. Go out into the world and do what is good. God will meet you there. So we go with his blessing. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, this day and always. Yeah.